You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we come to you again for another exclusive Third Watch recap episode. We are moving in to the second episode of the fifth season. This one is called My Opening Farewell at First Air on the 6th of October 2003, written by Scott Williams, directed by Felix Enriquez Alcala, and we've got a good one for you today. I like this episode. My name is Ben, and what good are you out here? My name's Darvell, and there's my eulogy. That was Like it so far? That was a pretty short one, I thought, but okay. Um, cool. Uh, yeah, this is a good episode, Darvell. I don't really want to say. Um, I think it is a good one. I've just said that. But, um, you know, we've, we're, we're into some... Decent stuff here today. Yep, continuing the uh, trend from last week. Yeah, and I and think truth and other lies. I think I think this is a an improvement on last week. I think that we kind of aren't weighed down a lot by um, some of the random FBI stuff, um, and obviously we've got <laughs> uh, you know we've been saying it for five seasons now the long slow decline of Monty Doc Parker and. Um, Really, this is kind of fast-tracking our downward spiral of him at this point, isn't it? So, um, yeah. It really is. It's it's interesting stuff. And I also, you know, appreciate the fact that uh, when a major character dies, we actually get a funeral. Um, hashtag justice for no Bobby funeral. Uh, so, <laughs> you think we can get that trending? Or No? Hashtag funeral for Bobby. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How about that? Um, but we start off this episode, um, we kind of bookend this episode with one song, sort of a, a montage kind of driven song. The song is uh, called Prayer. It's by Lizzie West. Um, I like the song. It's kind of a nice sort of saddish song. Um, and the, the montage we have, uh, we have uh, Taylor's mum. She's on a boat. She's looking at a family with a kid on a boat, staring over the city. That's nice. We've got Doc running. Um, you haven't seen him go for a run, I think, since, what, about season two, really? Um, but he's having yeah. flashbacks to the day in which he wanted Taylor to work on the rig when he's speaking to Johnson, and this is where you can see the length of his hair, um, <laughs> which, you know, is clearly, again. clearly different. But again, like this is, this is where this would have been okay. Because this episode clearly is, you know, at least a couple of days, I'm not too sure, after what happened in the the premiere of season five. And so you could have easily explained him getting his head shaved in those few days. Would have almost made sense. Like, he was distraught over the loss of Taylor and Johnson, so he wanted to go do something. He got his head shaved. Not within minutes of um, the episode that we saw before. But, um... So we see the flashback of that. We see Kim reading all the different newspapers with all the headlines about uh, Noble being killed. We've got Fred with a Bible because, remember, Fred found Jesus last season and they've really not touched mm-hmm, on that since. Yeah. Um, we see Yokus is laying in bed as well. Um, we've got Ruth in her office, uh, in Johnson's office, I should say, going through things. And then we've got Kim ringing up newspapers, because as we all know, newspapers and journalists are the scum of the earth, so that they should all be rung up and abused when they uh, allegedly get stories wrong. Um, so, can I just say from a newspaper's perspective that, uh, I mean, some of those newspapers, yes, are probably very much trashy tabloids, like there are certain newspapers who will go for complete, utter 
dribble to draw people in, sort of like your supermarket magazines and everything. They, they, they're the ones who invented clickbait. Uh, you didn't even realise that you were having clickbait before the term was even, um, you know, coined, I guess, in the last however many years it's been since that. But, uh, you know, these newspapers are sort of reporting the truth, aren't they? I mean, he literally was a drug addict. Um, so, yes. um, you know, they're reporting facts. Although, when she says not calling him a drug addict in every sentence, um, I don't know of any newspaper that would call someone, unless they were convicted and tried, uh, a drug addict. So maybe they are sort of bad types of newspapers. But anyway, just standing up for some of my own there, apparently. Um, she also says on the phone that she's going to talk to the police uh, to find out a little bit more about him. Uh, we've got Yokus waking up, which is, you know, good. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I undersold that yep. so much. Um, and we've got Doc still having flashbacks uh, of Taylor coming on the rig. And then we see him at a door. We don't know where he is. He bangs on a door and we get a guy answering the door. Again, we don't know who this is. But we find out that this is Eugene, the guy who was meant to be on the day that Taylor died. He got sent to a different part of the city. And Doc basically yells at him, grabs him, and says that it's his fault that every single day is a bonus for you. Sorry he doesn't bring anyone back. And off goes Doc before we get the credits. So, yeah, pretty uh, intense way to start this episode because this is definitely something... I mean, okay, I say it's not something you expect from Doc, but in some strange way you kind of almost do. Like, I don't know, how, how would you how would you see this? Well, he is known to have a rather short temper. Mm. I mean, we... We generally he's calm, generally he's calm, generally he's rational and all that. But the man is known to have a short temper. I mean, we saw that back in the back in history, didn't we? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so it's it's there. The thing that I find very interesting about this whole Doc storyline and this season is. I remember when it first happened, I, I hated it. I'm like, what the hell have they done with Doc? Like, this is completely out of the realms of Doc. Like, no way is this what he would do. Um, but then I remember talking to a, a friend sort of you know, 10 years ago now, probably, who we kind of met back in the days of Live Journal when we were talking about Third Watch. And she sort of described it very well. She's like, well, look, if you actually kind of watch the gradual build up to this point for doc it makes complete sense which is i think what we've tried to sell from the very beginning here of doc and it is a very gradual decline into this season into what is going to happen so i think it it gives it a whole new perspective being able to see everything and talk everything that we've said about doc up until this point and this is really where he snapped i mean we said that at the end of last season like this is the episode where he's going to snap um, and, you know, we kind of got that nice scene with him and Kim at the end of season four. We kind of had calm Doc last episode, even though we technically killed someone, but we went over that. And here he is now, finally on that path to just, the, I mean, there's no way back for him. And what's really interesting is that since we last recorded, I kind of found a couple of really old interviews about Third Watch, particularly with um, with Ed Allen Bonero and just kind of some random little tidbits about it. And a lot of the stuff is, you know, kind of stuff we've talked about before. But there was one, uh, it must have been at the very beginning of season six, kind of trying to sell, um, you know, what's happening that season. And I think he did it with like NBC.com or something like that. And he mentioned about um, Michael Beach, how he was sick of playing the good guy and wanted Doc to kind of be a bit of a bad guy because he'd, you know, been the moral compass of the show, the moral centre, 
and he was sick of, I guess, being lumped into that type of character. So a lot of this apparently was uh, Michael Beach's idea, and this is sort of the way he went out. And look, he might have discussed that in that interview that I did with him years ago, as I constantly mention. I he did, he did. There you go. So look, I, I'm glad you listened to it and remember what he talked about. I, that was like five years ago now. Be able to remember what I said to you five minutes ago, Darbell. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but it, I find it interesting because it it, it then I said essentially makes. A lot of this makes sense, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the fact that we've got him literally going to a person's house and essentially bashing him up. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's interesting, but it, it's... it's I've come to grow a lot more of appreciation of it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, of course he, of course he doesn't realise it because he's so lost in his grief and anger and whatever else he's feeling right now, but, I mean, Doc, come on. You're bashing up the wrong person here. Mm. I know he doesn't realize that, but, I mean, come on, you're bashing up the... I mean, you want to bash up anybody, go to the the geniuses downtown, as Lieutenant Johnson put it, Mm -hmm. but then that would definitely get him fired. But, oh, well. He he basically works (laughs) for the geniuses downtown, doesn't he? Shouldn't he just be bashing up people in his office or something like that? So, um, Yeah. yeah. Bash them up. I mean, they're the ones who sent who sent Eugene to the wrong station. And although I think we pretty well established during the Price and Nobility that whether Taylor was on the rig or was on the bus or on the fire truck, she still would have been right there with that burning car, most likely, trying to get that fire out. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it really is one of these what-if kind of things. And, I mean, I agree with you. Like, we don't know this Eugene. I mean, we kind of see him in this episode. You know, he's kind of a bit shy, naive, and he's, he's kind of almost got a bit of Carlos about him when Carlos first started, you know, that first day jitters and, you know, just kind of going around doing... We've all had that on first day of the job, you know, like we may yeah. have a type of personality, but you're always starting from the bottom, so you're going to be a bit shy, you're going to be a bit kind of, you know, yes, I'm going to follow all the rules from the very get-go. So, yeah, do we believe that Eugene was really going to be on that car? No, probably not. You're absolutely right. You'd assume it's going to be Taylor no matter what. So, but I think, clearly, it's making it for, a you know, a good... Um, a good storyline, essentially, to kind of, you know, yes. go along with everything. Um, after the credits, we've got Kim and Carlos waiting for the new guy, uh, or somebody showing up. Um, we've also got, uh, Doc, uh, being late, apparently never been late before. Um, so, yeah, there's that. He did take a sick day off, though, last season, didn't he, to do Joy. So, you know, there was that. Um, uh, yes. we've got Eugene showing up looking for Jim Zambrano. <laughs> 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 I do like that. <laughs> oh man. I do. You got to feel for that Eugene. I mean, Eugene's what in it for three, four episodes and kind of his whole arc yes. is just, you know, the kicking the shit kicker basically of all these episodes. And I mean, I, I, think he could have been an interesting character to kind of keep on. I don't think they ever would have kept him on because, you know, the paramedics clearly are, are shoved aside. But um yeah, a few seasons ago, they would have. Yeah, yeah. And this guy who plays him, I'm trying to find out who he is. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else before. Uh, Michael Gladys is his name, played Eugene Rossi. And if we look at his profile, he is best known for Mad Men. There you go. Um, he was also in Terminator Genesis, he was in Feed the Beast, and he was in Eagleheart. And apparently, still very active recently in shows such as Criminal Minds, Lucifer, uh, he was in Elementary, um, yeah, so he's been in quite a few things, apparently. 
has our dear old right. friend Eugene. Good for you, Michael Gladys. Um, so yeah, he, he's looking for supervisor Kim uh, Jim Zambrano. Um, he's basically told to go get ready. Uh, and then we see Kim approaching Bosco. Always good to have moments between the uh, the different emergency services. And Kim says to Bosco, "You know what happened with Noble." Uh, Bosco was like, who's, who's he to you? And then he, she, he basically shuts it down and says, this is police business. Now, there's a bit of a nitpick here, Darvel. Wouldn't be a Ben episode without a nitpick. She says to Bosco, right. we were dating for a couple of weeks. Now, wasn't that a couple of nights? The couple of nights that we saw and know about, but. But I, I feel. I mean, who knows? Those episodes that we saw of them together were all set over the course of like two or three days. So I don't know why she says we would date. Maybe she's just sort of saying it to Bosco rather than saying, like, we slept together for a couple of nights. Like, maybe she's just sort of lying to try and get some information. I don't know. It's kind of gelled over pretty quickly. It's not like she says it a hundred times in the episode. Like, we were dating for a couple of weeks. So that's maybe my only guess. But there definitely was not a couple of weeks. Possibly. Unless, you know, they're kind of going for the leeway of the fact that the three or four episodes took part over a couple of weeks, so they're trying to do it for the viewer perspective. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I just It was just one little bit that I kind of picked up and I'm like, hang on a minute, that's um, that's not right. But anyway, this is just me being nitpicky, I guess. It's TV. Yeah, it's TV. <laughs> no, Darvell, it's real life. Don't say that. Um, <laughs> it's also real. Um, Sully is getting well, ready. Some of the things in this show do feel quite real. Yeah. And then there are others such as um, cops shooting each other that maybe aren't exactly real. Um, but uh, Sully getting ready. Uh, we see Sasha for the first time this season. She's getting ready. They're all in the uh, locker room. Bosco shows up and they're all essentially saying, you've got to be kidding. What the hell are you doing here? Monroe even questions him. And I do love the way that she kind of is like, it's not often that people live up to all the horrible things people say about them. Which I mean, I love that line. Which, in all in all fairness, like I'm not saying Bosco should be an asshole, but at the same time, like Bosco is. I mean, does he know who this? Does he know who Sasha is? <laughs> because like, he just all of a sudden got her coming up to Bosco and just like questioning her. Like, wouldn't you feel a bit pissed off if you got some random person coming and telling you what to do? And you're like, excuse me, who are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I would at least say that. You know, I'd be like, um, pardon me, but who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. we also find out that Cruz goes to church every, um, you know, Sunday and Wednesday whenever she can. So through this conversation, um, Cruz goes to church, which look, <laughs> I honestly, like, I mean, she, I, I don't necessarily not believe I that. mean, she could, we kind of have, could. A, we kind of have an episode next season about her and religion, don't we? So, yes, um, yes, we do. Yeah. So I think kind of. You know, based on her um, background and sort of a lot of those. Um, I mean, do we ever do we ever know what her heritage is? Do we find out in that episode, what, like what sort of Latin background she has? I think so. I'll have to. I'll have to. We'll have to come back to that when we when we get to that episode. But I'm pretty sure that yeah, yeah, there is there is that. I mean, that reaction. The whole cruise goes to church. I mean, if you're a viewer and you're and you're watching this show for the first time at this point, 
you would probably have that same reaction. Yeah, exactly. Like, I agree. Like, like what? Come on, really? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure we do find out what sort of culture she's from, but like, I was going to say, like, sort of a lot of these, um, Latin cultures, Latin countries are, you know, they're highly religious. Um, you know, I went to, yes. I went to Mexico and like, wow, it was everywhere you went, it was very, you know, religious. So, um, it's, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it is a bit of a shock, someone like Cruz, but again, based on her heritage, it just also, I guess, you know, it's like, uh, we kind of get that in the spirit, don't we, with Bosco, sort of, I do something every Christmas Eve and we see him going to church. Um, so, and you, do you really believe Bosco goes to church, I guess? <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, don't let me talk about the spirit. It's, we're way too far away from that yet. Um, Doc, uh, we'll his, get there. His last day on the street, he, um, goes, he's back in the office and, uh, sees that Ruth is going through, um, Lieutenant Johnson's things. He needs to get something out of there. Um, a file or something and, um, goes in and gets it. Uh, we have Carlos talking to Eugene, uh, and then Doc basically saying that he's not going to make it. Uh, oh no, that's not yet. I've jumped the, I've jumped the gun. Um, Doc, uh, this is where Carlos sort of introduces Eugene to Doc and then they go, yep, we've already met. Uh, Doc and Carlos go out in the street. Carlos is trying to joke with Doc about, you know, look, they called a Jim Zambrano. And as they all leave, Carlos is like, yep, this is going to be, uh, one happy shift. Bosco in the precinct is getting pinned by, um, the anti-crime people sort of going off at him. Swirsky steps in to, um, to break it all up. And Swirsky tells Bosco to go home, saying that you've got a free pass from the feds. Um, and that you've got to go home. So, like, yeah, we've still got a bit of this freaking FBI stuff going on. But we also then find yeah, out I that- think- Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say real quick, I think Bosco could have taken him. Well, yeah. I mean, he's kind of slightly ganged up on, but, you know, Bosco... Bosco's an angry, like, he's like a little dog backed into a corner that you'd always give him a bit of a chance, wouldn't you? You know? Yeah. He just, he just wouldn't yep. quit. We find out that IAB are going to go after Yokus, and, um, Bosco sort of makes him go into tomorrow, not, oh, sorry, Swirsky does. So this, of course, is ample opportunity for Bosco to be able to go in and tell Yokus what's happening and that they've got to kind of, you know, cover their stories, essentially. Um, meanwhile, Yokus wakes up again. She hears a, the Bible hit the ground and kind of wakes her up thinking it's a gunshot. Um, and Fred and Yokus having a bit of a chat. And this is where we find out that, uh-oh, plot twist, Yokus can't move a leg. She can't feel anything. She can't feel anything from her stomach downwards. Um, now, I went off a lot, uh, when it came, when it comes to storylines about amnesia. Uh, um, I've talked about that in Nip Tuck. Uh, I've talked a little bit about that in Lost. I think it's a very lazy plot device, which very rarely works. I'm, I'm on a similar vein to the I'm paralyzed, I can't feel my legs storyline, because again, it's a, it's a fairly easy plot to kind of give, and one that very, very rarely they stick with. Like, what shows do we have out there, unless an actor, for example, has, you know, become paralyzed, so they have to sort of have them in a wheelchair. But, I mean, there's very rare shows out there where a, a character will become paralyzed and remain in a wheelchair for the rest of their time on the show. 
Um, I mean, think about Glee, for example, when we had, was it Artie in the chair? Like, I mean, I know in real life the actor isn't in a wheelchair, but that was kind of one of the rare occasions where, you know, the whole time he was in a wheelchair. And I guess that was part of the point that Ryan Murphy was trying to do. Like, you know, we've got complete different diversities here. We've got people in wheelchairs. We've got people of different cultures, people of different sexualities. Like, that was the whole point of Glee. It was all about inclusion. And I'm surprised they never kind of made him miracle. He can walk halfway through the show or something like that. But... It's just something that never sticks. You never generally keep a character paralysed. So it's always going to be one of these storylines where you know she's going to walk again eventually. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not going down on this as much as, say, if it was an amnesia storyline because it's not an amnesia storyline, which I think is probably the worst one they always go with. But I'm just never a fan of when they all of a sudden make somebody paralysed, such as like this. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, but, yeah, it just annoys me. Well, I mean, considering that the considering that the that when she was shot the bullet i mean what was against her was against her spinal cord i mean it didn't go through her spine thank god but considering it was against that obviously there was going to be some damage even if it was temporary so what were they supposed to do with that yeah i don't know like it's the thing with it though is that i almost feel they sweep it under the rug because you know, we're going to get a few episodes of her with therapy, you know, is she going to be feeling this pain or not? And then it all kind of goes out the fact that, yep, she's got to leave. And I guess at the end of the day, we know why they've done this as well. It's because if anybody didn't know, uh, Molly Price was pregnant during this season. So a lot of the reason why she's always in bed or always in a chair is purely because they can't really shoot her from sort of, you know, down below because she was pretty pregnant. And spoiler alert, she's going to be missing from large parts of this season. Um, purely because, you know, she obviously went off and had a baby. So I can understand why they've done it, but I don't know, like, I mean, you're right. You've got a bullet lodged against the spine. So, you know, that can be excused, but it's, it's never really explained, is it? It's never like, it's not like all of a sudden she wakes up when, Hey, I can feel my legs. It's kind of, it's a gradual thing that comes back. Then she goes away for a while and comes back and everything's fine. I mean, okay. It's better than you know, Taylor last season getting hit by a car within two episodes, she's back on the street. It's better than Jimmy getting shot, I guess. And I mean, I guess they kind of did do that a little bit longer with Jimmy, but you know, at least they're doing some explanation here to her recovery. Unlike Taylor. Um, I don't know. Right. I just, I feel like I'm complaining all the time here. But I just, I just don't like paralyzed storylines. And while I see why they've done it, I just, I don't know. It just kind of, it's nothing major. Like, I feel like this is a storyline which we should be like, oh my God, face paralyzed. And yet we never end up really caring about this past about three or four more episodes. And there's silence. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still trying, I'm still trying to, to die, to die, to digest it all so I can, so I can figure well, out how to respond. Well, well, an example, an example, and this will be slight spoilers, um, for next season, but okay, we've kind of got a similar storyline happening next season, this time next season with another character being seriously injured, right? And with that oh, character yes, yes, being yes. seriously injured, the effects of their injury still affect them for the majority of that season. Whereas when Yokus comes back later in the season, what does it affect except for her marriage? <laughs> like it, it doesn't like, there's nothing, there's no ongoing, you know, I guess issues. From Mobility this. issues. Yeah. Which, or something, for example. And I'm not like, that's entirely possible. You can recover. A lot of people do, but am I just trying to weirdly give season six more credit over what they do in season five for the character, for the fact that at least 
There's a... And I feel like within TV, if you're going to have a major plot line like this where you've got a major character severely injured and there's, you know, drama involved, like, because generally 90% of the time in shows like this when a major character is injured, there's always going to be some form of complication. You know, they're never just going to be like, okay, they've been shot, oh, but they're fine in three weeks unless you cruise. I don't know. Um, but it's just... I feel as though there should be something with this that is ongoing, not just swept under the rug and forgotten about two-thirds of the way into this season. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to say here. Okay, I got you. It just feels that you're putting so much emphasis on this that it just, you feel like there should be a a nice conclusion to this. And you may argue there is when she goes away for a while, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm going on, but... (laughs) Yeah, this wouldn't be the Oz Network if you weren't. That is very true. Anyway, <laughs> Yokus is paralyzed. Everybody should care. Um, <laughs> so we have uh, the ambulance now pull up next to Jimmy. Um, Eugene keeps asking permission to go to the toilet. Kim saying that he's some weird guy. Um, and, yeah, kind of Jimmy questioning Kim about how well he she knew Noble, you know, did you let him around Jimmy? I'm hoping you're glad you didn't. Um, and then kind of Kim sort of standing up for herself, like, you know, I'm not that stupid. I wouldn't date someone like this. Um, so, you know, it's a bit of conflict between Kim and Jimmy, but we don't really get a lot of conflict between these two this season because it's kind of their slow burn back to being back together. So it's uh, it's still nice. Kim calls uh, Eugene new guy here, going right back to the very first episode with Carlos again. Um, the doctor here testing out Yokus's mobility. Yeah. He says that it's entirely not unexpected, should be temporary, should keep saying should a hundred times over. Um, so there's all that. Uh, we've got Doc and Carlos... Uh, showing back up to, uh, oh no, they're in the ambulance first, aren't they? Uh, Carlos saying to Doc, yeah. you're quiet tonight. And, um, then Doc saying that he's tired. Um, Jimmy, we find out sort of has gotten the promotion, um, I guess from Johnson because Carlos comes in and says everybody's got a new job. Jimmy saying it's not the way that he wanted it, but, uh, he, I guess is a new Lieutenant Johnson for the moment. And, um, Jimmy has a bit of a conversation here with Doc about the, about the Lou saying that, you know, I didn't have a chance to talk to you about the other night. Glad he isn't any pain anymore. Um, so kind of a nice little moment between Jimmy and Doc here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not often these two got a lot of screen time and they'll get a bit this season. Uh, it's probably the last time they'll be nice to each other though. Um, so. They'll be um, going off at each other in a few episodes' time at least. Mrs. Taylor's there. She congratulates Doc and Jimmy for their promotions. She talks about uh, crying over a potholder, which is sad. Uh, she just she's just so good at acting. Um, yeah, we, we do love her, and I think that um, she definitely has a way of holding a scene here. It's kind of similar to what you were saying with uh, Ruth, kind of how she can hold a scene. Um, yeah, like we know Veronica Hamill, of course does really well here in um you know short time on screen and this is the last excuse me last episode we will have veronica hamill so um you know i mean clearly she has really no connection to this show after this episode um she asked doc to speak at a small service for taylor they don't want to have a big fire um funeral again uh she said she's sick of having um big dues like that so doc says that he would be honored uh but we know how that's going to turn out don't we 
Yeah, and quite and quite frankly, I don't think Alex would have wanted a big firefighter funeral like that anyway. So yeah, because I mean, that Beth is going with this. We had I don't think we saw her dad's funeral though, did we? But we saw kind of like the wake afterwards, didn't we? From memory, so um, we saw bits of his funeral. Mm, yeah. But the wake, that was the 233 days episode, wasn't it? Or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because that's when they're all standing outside looking at the skyline. Good episode, that one. Um, yeah, so Bosco shows up to Yokus. No, no guards there to stop. Fred's not there. And, uh, Bosco basically is telling Yokus to lie. Tell IAB that I shot Cruz. Um, and then Yokus, uh, basically, this is where she says that you drew your gun and I followed your lead. And I talked about this last episode. I, at least the way it was edited, that's not what we saw. But again, you know, it could be done differently from what we saw. Um, Fred comes in there. Oh, and Bosco, I should say, quickly explains to Yokus here that it was all some sort of undercover operation and Yokus essentially saying what it was all for nothing. Uh, Fred comes in, goes off at the guards, because let's be honest, the guards are terrible here, because that guard was flirting with a nurse. That's how Bosco was able to sneak in. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus, is this Carlos in police form? Um, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and, Fred- and plus, I mean, it is said nurses are pretty attractive, so. Yeah, I'm, I've never gotten the nurse fetish. Um, you know? It's, well, nor have I. I'm just going off of what I've heard. Yeah, I just, you know, I've been in hospitals where, yes, there have been attractive nurses, but I don't know, it's not something that I've been like, wow, you know, you know, like attractive nurse, yeah, like. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe okay. it's just that their outfits exam- in real exam- life are just exam- not like the stereotypical nurse outfit that you see. Yeah, yeah, uh, I haven't, I haven't gotten that either. You know, I haven't wanted to say, "Hey, examine me tonight." <laughs> no way, haven't wanted to say that. I mean, you know, you could try saying that in the hospital, Darvell. I don't know how much. <laughs> um... <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, um, so we have, what do we have now? Doc and Carlos, uh, Carlos mentioning that he's got a book that, um, you know, he's got speeches and stuff in there that, uh, Doc can borrow, um, and Doc kind of is a bit dismissive, doesn't really, um, care. Uh, Carlos says there wasn't time to put on a party for his last day on the street. Doc doesn't want one. Uh, Carlos wants to go out for a beer. Doc doesn't want to do it. Kind of a nice, I do like the little moment though, the way, um, Doc sort of just says to Carlos, like, but thanks. And then the way Carlos just kind of turns around and says, like, no, thank you. Like, it's a nice little moment. Um, yes. One of the uh, rare times that uh, we will get uh, these two having a nice moment this season. Um, Bosco goes to Cruz's house. Now, I've, I've noticed a little bit of a trope here with uh, Sergeant Cruz, Darvell. Every single time mm-hmm. Sergeant Cruz opens her door, she's either in a bathrobe or a sheet. She's always naked. She's always covering herself up with something. We had it when Bosco first showed up to her house and they slept together for the first time. We have it here. She's naked in a sheet. We will have it later on in this season. She will um, be about to have a shower for obvious reasons. And then she sort of, Sasha opens, knocks on the door and she's in a bathrobe. So uh, it's kind of an ongoing thing here with Sergeant Cruz. Opening the door, she's naked. <laughs> so, Gosh. Just a fun One of the perks thing. of living by yourself. Mm, exactly. Um, Bosco essentially asking Cruz to say that it was friendly fire, uh, and to not put Yokus down. Cruz doesn't want to stand, hear a word of this, saying the bitch shot her, she's going down, uh, tells Bosco that his fatal flaw is that you don't know when to shut your mouth. It's kind of, again, a good scene between these two, having good conflict with each other. Um, yeah. and- go ahead. 
sorry. I, I was just going to say, and, and she's not she's not entirely wrong either yeah. about that. Well, exactly, but it kind of it will. It's it's done in a way that um, later on in this episode, uh, it kind of comes full circle, which it kind of works. I kind of like how they do that. With oh, that. I so, love it. Um, anyway, so we've got Fred talking to Yokus. Fred asking if she's in any sort of trouble, um, and yeah, kind of he wants to know everything. And then this is where Yokus is obviously going to tell Fred everything. We kind of cut away from it before we hear everything. Doc, meanwhile, is at his desk. He's got a huge pile of papers around him, wanting to. Uh, he's writing this speech, and he loses it. He can't handle it anymore. He smashes his desk over, throws some chairs, crashes through his entire apartment. He obviously can't really come together with some lines to write about her. And I'm not sure if this is the same. Like it, I can't remember enough of what his apartment looked like when he moved in in season three. But it looks, for the most part, similar because he's still got kind of plastic sheets up like he's still doing work around it and hasn't really done much since he moved in. And as we remember in Season 3, like, he moved in and kind of, you know, had to have a lot of work done to it. So, um... Yep. Yeah, it's clearly Doc hasn't done a lot to his apartment in a season and a half or however long it's been since he's moved into this new place. Um, And his poor desk is now flipped upside down and on the ground. Um, Sasha shows up to see, uh, Munro, uh, with some flowers and a box and Fred doesn't, uh, really want to let her in and, um, he kind of gets offended Yokes. when people bring her food. Um, and yeah, essentially, I do, I do love the way that Fred's kind of very, very dismissive to Munro. And then the way she, he turns around and goes, well, she's paralyzed, Sasha. And the way Sasha just doesn't react, she's just like, I'll just leave these here. And she goes to leave now. Obviously, she's a bit uncomfortable and a bit sort of, you know, like Fred's not wanting her there. But at the same time, it's kind of like if somebody tells you that somebody's paralyzed, you're just going to be like, I'll just leave this door and I'll go. Is that not the part where you give a bit of sympathy or a bit of empathy? Like, <laughs> or or you or or just stops you in your tracks and okay perhaps this is a bit too dramatic but you know it just stops you in your tracks and you're like wait what yeah it it just it just it always seems a little bit weird just the way she's just kind of like eh I'll leave it at the door see ya <laughs> like, okay whatevs whatevs thanks for telling me Fred uh, goodbye yeah exactly um, but Fred eventually comes around and um, sort of says like you chummy with that cruise. And, uh, Sasha says, oh, not many people really are. And then Fred lets, lets it go in to see her. So a nice little moment there, I guess, coming full circle. We've got Bosco mm-hmm. at the water. I don't know where they are in New York here, but it's kind of a cool little shot. Um, Sully and Davis come and seize him and, um, uh, Bosco, um, has a plan to try and, uh, get things, um, well, sort of asking the question about trying to get something because they're trying to basically get Cruz, um, on some information that he has on her. Um, when it comes to all the collars that they made, that she didn't really do it very well. Um, and then Davis comes up with the idea that maybe Yoke has told someone that it could, uh, you know, come down to sort of his legal background being able to help out there a little bit. So they're essentially trying to come up with a plan here to go against Cruz to save Yokus from going down with IAB. Um, which again is, it's funny because that, I mean, in some aspects, you could almost... Because we're going to get in about a season's time, aren't we? That this whole culture around police and rats and, you know, being a rat and talking out against cops is very much frowned upon. In some aspects, are they being rats right here by ratting out crews? 
In some aspects, yes, you could definitely argue that. And oh, yeah, yep, we are going to get that that rat culture in in season six. And even in well, I can't speak from experience, obviously, because I'm not a police officer. Although I would make history as the first blind police officer if I ever went for that. That could be interesting. I might argue anyway, already, Darvell, um, that there are blind police officers <laughs> out there, but uh, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. But I, I can't speak from experience, obviously, but I have, heard, I have heard some people say that even in real life there's this uh, culture where you don't where you don't where you don't rat them out and that probably varies from individual officer to individual officer yeah just like yeah i think i mean it's very well documented in i guess at least fictionalized tv shows but yeah you're right like it's kind of been publicized that too but um i mean it's not uh, it's difficult isn't it because you can understand why these people are doing it because i mean at this point no no one likes crews anyway so like no audience is pointing them out and calling him a rat. And I don't think in a season's time when we've got the rat storyline, we're going like, um, hypocrites much. Remember what happened last season. So, uh, they're all done in different circumstances, but, um, yeah. But the thing that's kind of interesting too, is the fact that they go to all these lengths to kind of throw crews under the bus to save Yokus. And then in a couple of episodes time, you know, it's almost all forgotten about with crews and she's kind of just almost being back to normal with everyone. So it's, eh, you know, it's, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, you're right. And I think kind of we are going to get really after this episode, I guess, a, an effort from the writers, I feel, to start to humanize Cruz a little bit more and make it so people start to like her a little bit more. So kind of that redemption path that I've talked a little bit about last season with her, which mm-hmm. I still feel a lot of viewers never got, um, which saddens me because, again, I'm a defender of Cruz. But, um, yeah. It's, we'll get to that. Um, so they're hatching this plan. Um, Carlos shows up to Doc's house. It's, uh, again, completely trashed. Um, and again, looks slightly different to what we saw last season, but I, I'm not too sure. But he showed up with coffee. He's brought the book, uh, for Doc to look at for the speeches and wants the bummer ride in the Docmobile. I love how they call it the Docmobile. Um, and yeah, Doc <laughs> just goes off here. Like, what am I meant to say, Carlos? That she was stupid, that she thought she was better than us, that, you know, she pissed all over our profession and kind of, you know, how did that make you feel, Carlos? Cause it pissed me off, throws things everywhere, smashes it and, uh, sort of stares at Carlos and basically is like, that's my eulogy. It's a great scene. And like the acting here, Michael Beach yeah. again has great, like, I'm, I'm sure Michael Beach was loving this sort of stuff when it comes to being able to really show some range here with his angriness, yelling, and then just even Anthony Rivervar's just facial expression, just that shocked facial expression that he has with everything that's happening here. Um, so yeah. it's a and great scene. It is. And also, maybe they didn't go with this, and perhaps it's good that they didn't because it probably would have been a, a, a predictable or it probably would have made it too predictable or cheap or whatever, however you want to put it. But I often wondered when watching this scene, okay, had Doc been, had Doc, had Doc is it possible that Doc had been drinking? I, no, I, I mean, it's not implied. I don't think he has. I think this is, no, I think it's purely just showing Doc's, you know, his brain's clicked at this point. Like he's, he's off the rail, he's off the rails. And this is, I think when it comes down to, 
you know, the looks on people's faces and what we're going to keep getting in the next few weeks with Doc's behaviour, you know, when people are questioning him and obviously, you know, when Carlos is going to be joking in a few episodes saying like, oh, I really love the new you. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't think at all he's been drinking because we, we will see him in a car later on as well. So, no, I don't think I don't think that's meant to be the implication at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, such a... Although... Such a, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, although, in fairness, I mean, I'm not defending alcoholism but i mean in fairness everything that he's been that he's just been through that'd make anyone at least want to have a drink yeah well i mean i think another reason why i don't think it had anything to do with that i mean we did kind of have a whole season last season of an alcoholic so i don't think they're gonna revisit that again um right you know so soon uh in similar circumstances so that's also where probably it's not gonna um be the case um also as as doc kind of storms off and tells Carlos to leave. Carlos um, leaves the book. And I do also like that uh, line when Doc sort of says to Carlos, like, you know, what is he like, stop showing sympathy or something like that. That's not what you're good at. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a powerful line and kind of, you know, good stuff between these two. There's a lot of good stuff between these yes. two this season when it comes to the really serious stuff, which really kind of, you know, gives their very unique relationship some, some added layers to it. So, um yeah, very and interesting. And shows how they've both grown. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Sorry. Bosco shows up to the hospital, uh, confronts Yokus again. Charlie's there, wants to see Uncle B, but, uh, Emily, Emily, remember Emily? Emily and Charlie leave. Bosco, uh, asking Yokus, uh, if she told anyone about, uh, all the dealings that he had with Cruz. Um, and Fred sort of steps in and says, like, hey, she told me, and Yoko is like, no, you're not going to lie to me. I'll test, I'll testify. And Yoko tells, no. Yoko says, you're not dragging my family into this. Um, and sort of Bosco basically tells her that they're going to put you in jail if you don't sort of, you know, take this seriously. And Yoko said that she never told anyone about, uh, the whole situation, but they're going to hatch a plan soon to kind of work their way around this very, very soon. Um, we come back after the the ad break. Remember ad breaks, uh, Darvel? Jimmy is mm-hmm. um, with Kim. They're both getting all dressed up for Alex's funeral. And uh, Jimmy asking Kim why she's defending Noble so hard. Um, and sort of Kim saying that I could not have been that stupid to be with someone like that. She admits it. We had sex a lot. Unprotected sex. Um, and... Sort of, you know, he he wasn't a junkie and kind of defending her choices, which is, is kind of very interesting here, this storyline around Kim having unprotected sex with a potential junkie and Jimmy being there to support her. Um, I think, like, I, I like, again, I just like Jimmy and Kim stuff this season. I just, I can't say that enough. And it's, it's weird to me to think how much I'm enjoying them and their reconciliation this season. Cause I'm sure there have been times when I've watched this show where I'm kind of like, Oh my God, you know, stop it. Like we get it. Are they going to get back together? But I think we've had enough break from them to actually care about this now. And I think it's a real payoff right. for long term viewers. Like if you, for example, had joined this show halfway through season three, it wouldn't really probably mean much to you. You'd almost be thinking that they're hooking up for the first time because it's barely even mentioned that they have a kid and used to be married. But for us, who have watched this from day one and kind of saw what they went through in season one and season two, then into season three with the custody stuff, you know, I think enough time has passed for us to really, you know, be like, hey, yeah, like these two should give them another chance because I think even in season one when you had the the Bobby-Jimmy-Kim triangle, you always, I think, deep down feel that Jimmy and Kim should be back together. And it's... Yeah, 
I, they, they are the Ross and Rachel of Third Watch. You know, you know they're always going to end up together. Right. Although, I'll be honest, the first time I blazed my way through the show, um, I was actually rooting for... I was actually rooting for Kim, for Kim and Bobby. Oh, yeah. During... During during season one, because I mean, I mean, there's no way around it. Jimmy was a fucking dick I, at that time. I can't deny that either. I mean, I definitely root to have a Bob because I think kind of my first time watching this, I I um you know felt myself a lot more similar to Bobby than it came down to it, and kind of you know you I felt that connection more with the Bobby character. Much, I mean, I wish I could felt a connection like that with Jimmy, like in, in terms of not like that, but as in like as in I was like I Jimmy. Unless be honest, we all feel it like that too. I mean, he's a he's a handsome man. Come on, um, but um, yeah, I think that I agree with you completely. But I think having seen the show enough, it's you sort of like yeah, Jimmy and Kim, they need to be together. So, you know, they just work. Like, we've, we've said that so many times. They do. We, that, that in real life, you just kind of wish these two ended up. Like, you, I'm sorry, Kim Raver's husband, and I'm sorry, Leanne Rhymes, if you're listening to this, but I kind of wish that Eddie Subrin and Kim Raver ended up together in real life, because they just work. <laughs> yes, they definitely do. In my mind, and, they're together. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, uh, no, never mind. I was gonna say. I was gonna say you can write a fan fiction about it. No, no, I don't do fan fiction unless not appropriate stuff for us to talk about on air. Um, <laughs> uh, I, we we really need to find some of the old fan fiction from Third Watch and just read it out on air. Uh, we have an uncensored version or something. <laughs> some like that. of it, some of it is, some of it is pretty good. Some you might being think the fan fiction word. is fan. F- oh yeah, I mean, you may think fan fiction is just teenage stuff, but. <laughs> Some of it, because I've read fanfic from some of my some of my favorite shows and book series and all that, and some of it is actually very well written. Yeah, uh, look, I'm not completely dissing fanfiction. I've read some. There are definitely some good stuff out there, and I've got friends who live by fanfiction, and they're as old as I am. So, like, it's fine. Like, you, each to their own. Um, mm-hmm. but it's just, there is also some absolute rubbish out there. <laughs> um, oh, oh, just I like know. There are podcasts out there. There are some good podcasts <laughs> out there. And then there's the Oz Network. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was reading a, I was reading a fanfic, a, a Third Watch fanfic last week at the time of recording this. I mean, I mean last week. Um, and it was based on, you know, someone had imagined Lieutenant Johnson had a, Lieutenant Johnson had a, had a, Someone basically got the idea. Okay, Lieutenant Johnson has a daughter who joins, who joins the five five, mm. and try and follows in her father's footsteps. And I was reading it through. The chapters were so incredibly short, and nothing really happened in any of the ch- in any of the chapters that really advanced the story. And I was like, and yet, I mean, I read it through anyway because I'm I mean, even if it's bad, I like to complete something before I pass final judgment. But yeah, by the time I was done with it, I was like, I was like, okay, why did I just waste about an hour of my life reading this? This is fucking terrible. Exact quote from a listener of the Oz Network. There you go. Um, <laughs> just that's going to be our new slogan. Um, just underneath, anyway. But um, yeah, look, hello to all our fan fiction writers out there. Thank you for doing yes. what you do. Uh, Bosco confronts Cruz. You write good ones anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Cruz is running. Bosco confronts her. Basically says that Yoka's kept logged books, uh, of everything that he told her and date stamped and time stamped and everything. 
and um, basically threatens Cruz and says that, uh, you know, go until IAB, that, um, don't, you know, get clear Yokus's name. Cruz thinks that he's wearing a wire, um, and then, yeah, kind of this is Bosco's play. It's a smart play, and somehow Cruz actually buys this. I do, I, one thing I will say is Tia Tahata's acting here, just there's that look of desperation that she just has, this blank sort of stare that she gives Bosco the way she's just kind of like, you know, she shot me, Bosco, she shot me, she tried to kill me. Um, and you just, you feel at this point that Cruz is just, she's just, she's got no other option here. So, and she's got this tear that yep. rolls down her cheek as well. Um, you know, like, again, I know everybody's still hating on Cruz at this point and no one gives a shit about Cruz, but it's just my hope that if, again, people know the whole storyline with Cruz and what's going to happen with her, just little subtle moments here that shows that Cruz is human and, like, at the end of the day that, yeah, she's gone out of her way to do all this sort of stuff. She's shot our favourite Yokus and we love Yokus, but, I mean, Cruz has also been shot too. And, like, yes, she's not yeah. paralysed. Yes, she's not kind of going to be out of this thing for a while. She got away from it lightly. lightly. But I think we get enough strong stuff with Cruz in the coming weeks to kind of really show why she is this type of person. We got a bit of that with last season with Letty and that storyline. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you analyse everything that Cruz has done, it's still kind of that whole... It's almost like the Robin Hood thing, like breaking the law, like the Dexter thing that we've talked about before, like you, you're doing illegal things for good reasons you know, she's not she's not Candyman she's not pocketing money, she's not doing things to become rich and that sort of stuff, yeah she's a bit dirty but she does it for good reasons so, it's just that yeah. grey area and I just, I just think this is another one of those little subtle scenes that shows that she's human and shows just the emotional toll that she, <laughs> this real tough cop act which she has um, and is can take a toll on her. So yeah, another slight defensor right. of Cruz. And I'm not going to lie, even if I like and like I said initially when we got on to, you know, mentioning Cruz and all that, I'm honestly on the fence when it comes to her. Even if I if, even if I do officially declare myself a Cruz fan by the time we're done covering this show, I will say this. I'll be honest. It is kind of enjoyable to shall we say for lack of a better for lack of better phrasing watch her squirm here mm. because for the first time and, and the, i mean because maybe not literally obviously but figuratively that's exactly what she's doing here it, it's kind of enjoyable to watch that because no one has ever and i think i said this either last week or sometime or, or the week before i don't remember when i said it but no one has really stood up to her like what Bosco does in this scene. And I think yeah. she's depended on that. And I, she has depended yeah. on that. I completely agree with you. I think that's a very good point. And um, I think, yeah, on the flip side of the non-fans, the people who really despise her, that that's the important bit here, where people are like, yeah, fuck you, Cruz. Um, and yeah, I think everything you just said is completely true. And I think it's important to have that scene. Um, of her getting, I guess, stood up against. So, very good point there. And I think it's, it all adds to this layered approach to Cruz's character. Um, which I think compare, and this is again, no disrespect to Sasha and sort of, you know, her character, but we, we kind of went over this with Munro that she's kind of just very, you know, vanilla in terms of just her character. You know, there's not a whole lot of anything to her. It's kind of always played safe with Sasha. Um, and I guess maybe that's what they've gone th- for with her because, you know, it's been so out- outlandish over the top with Cruz 
that they need someone to kind of level it back down to earth. And even Finney, mm-hmm. when he comes in, you know, has a few layers here and there, but there's nothing really new with Finney's character that we kind of don't have with other bits, particularly maybe with his dad or something like that. But, you know, I think they've gone to extremes with Cruz and they're kind of trying to balance that out with, with other characters. But I, yeah, I just, it is my hope that people who really despise Cruz can kind of try and see the layers that are to her and what makes her such a unique character. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, we kind of got a, a mini, it's not really a montage as such. We kind of just got a bit of slow piano music going on here. Um, Kim's on the phone booking an appointment to get some tests done. Um, saying that, she, you know, she's been in contact with somebody who may have been using drugs, intimate contact. Jimmy says that he'll go with her for the test, which is nice. Uh, we've got Swirsky going on at IAB. Uh, in regards to Yokus, and obviously I, this is essentially the bit where he's telling him to bugger off and that things are going to be fine. Bosco's sitting outside waiting for it. Swirsky ushers um, him in to tell him the news. We've got shots here of everybody showing up to Taylor's funeral. I do like a good uh, location scene with Third Watch when they sort of go outside somewhere where we haven't really seen before um, and everybody kind of, you know, getting on this boat that they're going to have for... Her funeral, uh, again, hashtag where's Bobby's funeral. Um, Bosco shows up to Yokus's room, stands in the doorway, says they bought it. Um, or she bought it, I should say. Yokus simply says, good, now go away. And, uh, Bosco kind of just turns away and leaves. It's, it's just a nice little powerful scene. You know, you expect right. Bosco almost to fight for this, but kind of, you know, he's almost just, uh, I guess, uh, given in really, hasn't he? And this might be, the last proper scene between these two for quite some time, if I'm not mistaken, because... Right, it is the last one between the two. Yeah, Bosco will have a few with Emily, uh, but... Yeah, yeah, but this is the last one between the two of them for quite a few episodes this season. When does she come back? Like, it's about four or five episodes from the end, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, she comes back in No More Forever. Yeah, well, there you go. Gee, that's, that's a long way away. So, um... Yeah, so this is kind of their life, which is weird to think that. And we we sort of alluded that to last season, didn't we? That they're never really going to be the same again. So you know, Bosco. No. Yeah, it's just, oh, don't get me started. I'm going to be getting angry about that when it comes to the finale. Anyway, um, so then we've got the basically the whole final uh, five minutes here is just all Taylor's funeral scene. We get a nice little moment uh, where Davis's mum is back. Maggie is back. Um, and what I do really appreciate about the fact they bring Maggie back for this one scene is that it's Lynette McKee. It's the same actress who is always, who has always been Davis's mum. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is 100% her last appearance on this show. But, like, again, going off on random continuity errors on this show, this is definitely something which I appreciate <laughs> the fact that it's been, what, since Superheroes Part 2 since we've seen Maggie Davis? So, nearly two yes. seasons. And yet they somehow managed to bring her back for literally two minutes of screen time to say, like, one line, essentially. Um, I just love the fact that they bring her back. I, I don't know if you're really high on it, but it's just it's just a random thing that I get very excited for, that she randomly shows up here to the funeral. I loved it, too. And it was... Um, it was good to see her there, not only for... Not only for, for, for Beth and, you know, to to pay her last respects to Alex, even though he didn't, even though she didn't really know her, but also, I mean, I think we established that although he was very dismissive of the whole thing last episode, no doubt Ty 
no doubt Ty is feeling some type of way about it. No doubt yeah. he is like deeply hurt on the inside because, and and maybe Maggie knows that and is trying to be there for her son just as much as you know to pay her last respects to Alex. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, and I think it's important that she because I mean you know. It's been a while since we've kind of seen Davis obviously have any form of relationship with his mum and everything when he moved out and everything in season two. But, um, you know, she's still there. And it's kind of like, I guess really moving forward, there's no real... Actually, there would be, wouldn't there? That's probably a bad thing to say about There'd be no reason to bring her back. But you could argue in season six in the storyline around his father, there was a perfect opportunity to bring her back. Um, yeah, I wonder why they didn't. Hmm. That's an interesting one, actually. I've never kind of really thought about that. Um, who knows? Maybe that's a question for her, question for the writers. But, um, yeah, um, just I just love the fact that she's there. I love Maggie. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's and the last I, time we'll ever see her. Yep, and I love... I love Carlos's eulogy for Alex. I know we're oh, yeah. I know we're going to get to that, but I I love the the way he starts it. I think he started it. He was like Alex Taylor was she was. We'll get there. I'm going to interrupt think, you here. Yeah. we'll get there. We're okay. not quite there yet. We'll okay. get there. I just need to quickly add here that okay. um, they're right. about to go out on the boat. Um, and Mrs. Taylor is you know doesn't want to leave yet because Doc's not arrived. Doc's not showing up. And um, this is oh, where uh, Carlos has it. to sort of step in and say, like, look, he's not well. He's not going to be here. He wanted to be, but he can't be. I'm going to give his speech instead. So they um, let go of the boat. The boat goes out in the water. And then we see a car pull up and Doc's sitting in the car. So Doc's sort of shown up um, last minute, but obviously still struggling to be able to get out on the boat. And the boat's gone and he's missed his opportunity. And just a look on uh, Michael Beach's face, just kind of staring off at the boat. It's pretty sad. Um we fade through to a shot of the Statue of Liberty. And I'll just say, from this point on, um, I think this should be a top five moment. This is just my uh, viewpoint for the end of the season. Um, I Again, we said this last week, this is a season where, off the top of my head, I struggle to think of top five moments for this season as it is, maybe with the exception of like one moment. Um, but, yeah, so I think kind of we're in with a chance of having some early season moments. So they pull up outside the Statue of Liberty and kind of Mrs. Taylor says that, uh, you know, she was always, uh, she loved coming out to the Statue of Liberty this way, being out here, she'll always be able to see it. Um, and then, yeah, uh, go ahead from this point here, Darby. I'll let you kind of open this up here with the way Carlos speaks, because this is, this is such a great uh, speech that he gives. It is, because it starts out, the way I think he it was he... Let's back to that to the book to the book of quotes they gave Doc. I think he at first he was trying to remember something from the book because you know just the way he starts it. Alex Taylor was was that that's how you say some that's just how you say it, you know when you're trying to remember something that maybe you had read maybe something you had practiced or maybe something you had heard somewhere but then he just drops it. And just launch it, and just goes into this, into this, into something that could not be, that could not be said, that could not be said from memory, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. And, and he, yeah, I love, I just love his, I just love his delivery of, of the whole thing. Perhaps the most powerful the speech 
is when he is when he addresses Beth directly, you know, about how he was with her at the end and how it was the only thing in her mind and how, you know, she wanted Beth to know that it did hurt, even though it probably did. Um, and how she was going to make sure that that, that, that she wanted to make sure that her mother knew that. And then the part that really gets is when he, the way he closes it, he's like, he's like, tell her mother it didn't hurt. Maybe not for you, Alex. Maybe not for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the way he delivers that. I honestly think if he had gone any more, he would have... And you, I don't think we ever see Carlos do this. I don't think we ever see Carlos do this at any in the history, at any point during this show's work. I honestly think the way he says, maybe not for you, maybe not for you, had he continued beyond that, I think the man would have broken down. Yeah, we don't see Carlos cry at any point, do we, in this show? Um, that's a good no, point. No, I don't think so, but I think he was pretty damn close here. I think we see everyone cry, maybe with the exception of Carlos. That's, yeah. Because you think about um, Bosco cries, Jokas cries, uh, Sully does... Does Davis? I don't know. I don't think Davis... Uh, maybe? Uh, I kind of think there. Um, Sasha does. Cruz does. We had a cry this episode. Um, yeah. Finney does. I th- Yes, he yeah. does. Uh, Grace, yeah. meh. Uh, no, Gra- Grace does... <laughs> Kim clearly does. She sounds like a goat when she does. Um, Except Doc does. The last ep- yep. um, Bobby, he does. Yes, Bobby does. Yes, um, yes. Jimmy doesn't. Yeah, okay. Going through that. So it's yeah. random that we're just talking about people crying. Yeah, it's a good point, actually, with Carlos. You never really thought about it that way. Um, so, yeah, it's... At the end of the day, I think that this scene is just very powerful. It's very strong. And the, again, kind of going back to what I was saying in the season four finale with like the fact that I love Carlos is the one who is there with Taylor in the final moments because Taylor and Carlos never had a, any form of relationship. They always kind of were at each other's throats and they never yeah. really had any sort of nice moments really, did they? So I do like the fact that it's them that are together at the end and then kind of just the fact that it's Carlos that delivers this and, yeah, just the way he drops her, you know, she was a pain in the ass and kind of just a look on everyone's face as soon as he says it, like, um, Carlos, like, what? And I remember watching this for the first time thinking, like, what the fuck? Like, Jesus Christ, Carlos, not the time. Um, But it's just... <laughs> I don't think this would have worked with any other character but Carlos, you know, because this maybe is the... I mean, after everything that happened to him last year with the sort of the accusations and kind of, you know, everything that... Is this... As much as Doc has snapped and is really on a downhill spiral, is this officially the moment now that Carlos is kind of nice? I mean, Carlos definitely still has some tricky moments moving forward and some, you know, joking moments. But it's kind of like, you know, we're going to get a whole storyline around his family coming up very, very soon and you know, moving forward with stuff that will happen with, you know, more in his personal life and getting married and things like that moving forward to next season, spoiler alert. So I kind of feel as though um, this is the moment that kind of officially transitions Carlos because he starts off being very Carlos, you know, with she was a pain in the ass, to, 
you know, you're, as you mentioned, the great line that he has, where it's like, you know, it didn't hurt, but maybe not for you, Alex, maybe not for you. Um, yeah. So this is, I, yeah, I'll just call it now. This is the transition scene for Carlos. Yep. And going back to when Taylor actually died, because um, I've, I've watched that, I've watched that episode quite a few times. Um, you could, you know, you can look up, you can look up quotes from episodes of TV shows and movies and, and stuff like that. You can find that on things like IMDb and stuff like that. In the quotes list for that episode, right after Ta- right after Taylor says, you know, tell her it didn't hurt. There's a somebody quoted that Carlos practically whispers okay to her, but I mean, I've 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 listened really really hard trying to catch that. I never hear him say that, even if I, it is a whisper. I think so. maybe yeah. I don't think he says it. I mean, maybe it's kind of mouthed very softly. I don't know. It's not something I've really paid attention to. But um, yeah, we. I mean, we do. I'll just quickly close this episode out. We have a great shot of the boat yeah. sort of outside the Statue of Liberty, sending off the water cannons. Uh, we hear prayer again by Lizzie Ware. Such a great ending to the episode. And um, yeah, as I said before, um, top five for me. Uh, and we kind of get a great shot of the Statue of Liberty at the end as well. Um, so yeah, such a great, great poignant scene, and I think, and this is what you do, writers of Third Watch, when you have a funeral for one of your major characters when they die. Um, like, oh, really? They should have done this for Bobby. I think. Why didn't they? Uh, oh well, it's too late now. They're not going to have one. I mean, I guess we sort of right. got slight justice for that when again we had the episode where Kim and Taylor visited his grave, essentially, but. Um, you know, from that point on, Bobby essentially was forgotten about in the show. But, I mean, again, one could argue that Taylor's sort of forgotten about from this point on the show isn't there, except for when it comes to Doc's episode in about 10 episodes of time. But, um, yeah, Taylor's not really mentioned too much moving forward, is she? Um, we do, although, actually, that's no, a bit of a lie. I think when Jimmy's final episode as well... Much. Well, Jimmy has his final episode, and he kind of has that moment where he's having, like, visions of what happened in the firehouse, and there's a couple of visions of Taylor, so... Um, yeah, I mean, there's a bits here and there for it. Um, yeah, so that is, uh, episode done. Uh, that is my opening farewell. Darvell Stewart, what are you going to be doing with this episode? Oh, a, a definite buy. A I definite buy. could not agree with you any more than that. Yes, I think this is a definite buy as well. Um, it's strong. It's, it's very good. I, I'm going to say this is arguably one of the best episodes of this season. Uh, probably going to be in the top five uh, episodes of this season. Um, and again, it's not to take away from anything that we're going to have, because I mean, as I sort of said last week, it's it's kind of, we're just going to have a string of very solid average episodes from this point on. Um, I'll just quickly say that I've ranked this, uh, I've ranked this at 43rd uh, right now out of 98 episodes. As I said, I've ranked up to uh, the spirit. So, uh, this, and I will just say right now to spoil that the first 10 episodes of this season, this is to me the highest ranked of the first 10 episodes of this season. So that's just what I've got here. Um, yeah, like we're, we're about to enter a string of episodes that are solid. They're not terrible. They're not brilliant. They're just kind of there. And this is kind of where, let's just say this right now, Davel. This season is the Grace Foster of Third Watch. Like there's nothing wrong with her. There's nothing brilliant about her. She's just there. She's meh. Like this, that's season five, the third watch, the Grace Foster I just, seasons. I love the way you say that. It's just, yes. it's just, it's just so true. Like it's like again, it's nothing against her. Um, it's just you know, like when you sit here and think about six seasons of Third Watch, what does Grace bring to the table? 
nothing. It's like season five. What does it really bring? It's like, this is the season where everyone leaves. We've got maybe two brilliant episodes, uh, one pretty bad episode, and the rest are kind of there. <laughs> like, you know, season four at least was very bipolar. Season three was a lot better than we thought it was. Season two is brilliant. Season one is great. And season six is pretty rubbish. So, like, se- <laughs> season five is just there. <laughs> so maybe yeah. that's why NBC decided to put it on Friday nights, beginning with the goodbye to all that episode, because Possibly. it was just there. Who knows? Yeah, indeed, we're only uh, very a couple of weeks away from our Friday night move, the Friday night death slot. But um, we've got lockdown next week. Um, this is always a very interesting episode to me because, like, it's again, it's not a bad episode, but it's not a brilliant episode. It's it's something that. It's a storyline that you kind of feel they should have already done by now, but you're like, okay, they haven't. But then on that, they recycle this episode and the the subject matter of this episode very quickly in a season's time when it comes to their crossover with medical investigation. So, yeah, there's like, it's a weird one. Like, I'm I'm not going to be talking down on this episode. I think it's a solid episode. Um, but it's it's also got some shitty stuff with it. It's also got some good stuff with it. Um, but yeah, lockdown. Uh, I keep thinking of Kanye West and love lockdown, so I keep I feel like singing that. But uh, yeah, what, what's your thoughts on lockdown? Yeah, it's pretty. Well, oh no, the only thought I had would have spoiled my ranking for that episode, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> yeah, I nearly gave mine away there too. I actually should double check what I gave for this episode, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> but I mean, it's it really is a case, and I just it's. I just can't wait for our listener, our listener, to kind of join us. I'm going to say, really, from episode three to episode nine, are kind of all there and thereabouts. Like, you can almost gel them all into the same. They kind of have that same tone. They kind of feel the same. They go out of their way to kind of end on, you know, crummy cliffhangers that shouldn't be cliffhangers, but they are. Um, and then, realistically, until we get to season 10, which is rubbish, season 11, which... Uh, sorry, episode 10, which is rubbish, episode 11, which is brilliant... Um, you know, we've just kind of got to get through a bunch of just meh, Grace Foster episodes. Yeah. But I mean, I will say that in this string of next few episodes, they're not all going to be rentits. There's a couple of buys in here for me. Um, very low buys. I will say that. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, love lockdown next week. We're talking about Kanye West, apparently. Um, I, I didn't even say what it's about. Um, there's a, there's a disease spreading through the city, sort of. There you go. <laughs> and we find out Sully's going to retire. A risk of it. <laughs> so, there's that. Um, and uh, Grandma Yokus is back. So, that's also... Oh, good. goody. Grandma Yokus. I love... I actually really love that line from Emily. <laughs> oh, me too. Look at me giving a positive line there to Emily. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, I was watching that episode this morning. I, I was I was watching that episode this morning when she said that I just busted out. I was like I was like, damn <laughs> Just the way she turns to Fred's like, Oh goody, grandma Yokus <laughs> Yeah, you, you could tell you could tell she you can tell she doesn't like her any more than Faith does. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to all the relevant channels. Please leave us some feedback. We'd appreciate that. We have an email address, which we barely ever check, but it's, uh, the Oz Network at hotmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook. We check those messages much more frequently. Um, and YouTube as well, and lots of other things too. So please look at that and do stuff and, uh, just do things because that's what we like. Um, 
my name is Ben, and we had sex a lot. Well, that's news. Well, I'm glad you remember it. (laughs) My name's Darvell, and (laughs) see you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. 